In the spring of 1907, before Oklahoma officially became a state, the small town of Owasso in Indian Territory had a revival that would forever change the course of what we now call Northeast Oklahoma. 10 people and their minister started a Christian church because they believed this community needed a church, a live active church that would point people to Jesus. And from that revival, which started in a small country store downtown, a movement began that would impact Northeast Oklahoma for the next 116 years. We now call that church First Church. And throughout our history, Satan has tried everything he possibly can to stop the momentum that God started here. And yet, for over a century, he's been unable to do so. In spite of pandemics and world wars, even economic downturns and internal conflict, Satan has been unable to stop what God started here. Because we believe Jesus' promise in Matthew chapter 16, when he says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We believe with all of our hearts that the church that Jesus leads is truly unstoppable. First church is our family. There is so much love here and you feel it the minute you walk through the doors. You feel joy, I felt the spirit move. There's just something special about this church. God is definitely moving. If you've been in, in any of the children's facilities recently, we're busting at the seams. If we need space, we need a place where not only can all the children who are already here be and grow and flourish, but the families who have yet to join our church, you know, I just really earnestly believe that, that that's how we change our community, that's how we change our families, that's how we change the 918. This is our church home. We see our future here and we want to be a part of it and we want to see it grow. That's why two years ago, in November of 2021, our First Church family began a two-year journey of courageous commitment to kingdom expansion during one of the most difficult times in our recent history. At a time when our culture was plagued with fear, uncertainty, and mounting questions, our church leadership believed it was not the time for us to sit back, but to lean in and to be the church that God was calling us to be in this generation. So we called this new journey Unstoppable. And we prayed for God to give us fresh opportunities to unleash His love. We challenge our First Church family with the primary goal of being engaged in the mission of Jesus like never before, both locally and globally. And this allowed us to establish a secondary goal of collectively doubling our current annual budget so that we could build a new First Kids building as a resource for God to use to reach the next generation. During unprecedented times, we decided to take a step of faith with a two-year financial goal that was bigger than anything our church had ever attempted before. After months and months of prayer, conversations, and study, we believed God was in this, and our church family responded. Tonight was very memorable to me, watching the families walk up there and lay their commitment cards on the table, and as a family, ringing the bell for the future of First Church. The experience tonight was really awesome for us to um, be here with our friends and our family to show uh, others and lead the way in our commitment to this church and to future generations. We had a number in mind and then we, we changed that number. Uh, we we kind of said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're not doing that anymore. We're going to do bigger and better because God just decided, you know, hey, that's that's what we needed to be. When Unstoppable was first presented to the church, we were so excited to hear that we were building on more. 
bringing those kids in with their parents. We are going to finish strong. The unstoppable commitment means that um, God is still working and He's using us to help build the generations to come. Together, we joined on this unstoppable journey, and we have seen God show up over and over again. At a time when many people are talking about how the church in America is dying or at least losing its influence, God is using us to shine the light of His Son and penetrate the darkness around us. And we shouldn't be surprised. In John 1 verse 5, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. We're seeing more and more new families show up to our church for the first time. Our next-gen ministries are exploding. We we are supporting more local and global partners than ever before. And this year alone, we've experienced more baptisms than any other year in our history. God is definitely on the move. And it's exciting to be part of what He's doing in this place. We're here to love Jesus and love like Jesus. That's our mission. And nothing is going to stop us because greater is He who is in us than He who is in the world. I'm gonna invite people to First Church of Owasso, Oklahoma. I'm going to be unstoppable by showing everyone I can the power of Jesus' love. God is so faithful, and when you trust Him, and he, he's, he's never failed us. The reward is that God gets glorified, Yes. and we get to help with an amazing uh, aspect for this church. I would say you really need to just dive in. A lot of times we need to step outside our comfort zone and to try something new. God really wants to use everyone here in some way. Everyone's got a gift. Stepping out in faith isn't always easy. You want to know how it's going to turn out and you, you're not always going to know. But I think you just have to be obedient to what God has placed on your heart and, and you just have to let Him do the rest. It's so nerve wracking to step into something new and it's scary, but God has shown up in such big ways and He's provided so much for us through our obedience. If there's one word that describes how I feel about our church family right now, it's the word grateful. I'm so grateful for God's hand being on us these past two years and allowing for us to experience everything that we've experienced. But I'm also grateful for you, our first church family. So much is at stake right now, and we have not shrunk back from the calling that God has placed on our lives. We've continued to see Him work in great ways, and let's continue to move forward with Him as we continue to live out His unstoppable mission. Even though we're quickly approaching the fulfillment of our two-year commitment, now is not the time for us to slow down. Now is not the time for us to stop. We believe God is giving us more and more opportunities as we are on the verge of reaching our two-year goal. And we wanna make sure that we are a church that seizes the moment that He is giving us because we believe we are here for such a time as this. We believe that our moment in history is just as much a part of God's plan as any moment in history. And we can't wait to see what He's going to do through us. First Church, this is our moment. We believe that God is calling us to be an unstoppable force for good in the midst of the darkness. We're here to change lives. We're here to change culture. We're here to change the world. Because Jesus' tomb is empty, our mission is unstoppable. Now isn't the time for us to slow down. Now is the time for us to rally.
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That's the story of Jesus, and that's our story as a church. We've seen this happen time and time again. And during one of the craziest and most chaotic times in recent history, our church launched our unstoppable initiative because we believed when the world was hitting pause, it was time for us to hit play, to hit play like never before because people needed Jesus. And as the world saw a crisis, we saw a calling because we believed that when the world is at its worst, it needs the church at its best. And we've seen God's light shine in the midst of the darkness over and over again. And I get it. We're living in a day and age when there's a lot of darkness. In fact, most of the pundits and experts that are in our world today will tell us that Christianity is declining in our culture, that it's dying. Pre-2020, it was estimated that 3,400 churches a year were closing their doors never to open again. And that number was anticipated to skyrocket after the pandemic. In the year 1995, 85% of Americans claimed to be Christians, claimed to be followers of Jesus. Today, in 2023, according to Pew Research, only 64% of Americans claim to be Christians. That's a drastic decline in just about 30 years. And to add insult to injury, today, only 25% of people in our country are considered practicing Christians, according to Barna Research. And that number was more than double that in the year 2000. When you look at all the stats and all the studies, when you listen to the pundits and the experts, everyone is telling us that Christianity in our country today is dying. In fact, some will even say that we are living in a post-Christian generation, a post-Christian culture. But I won't use that term. I won't ever say that. Because I don't believe that there is anything post-Christian. There is nothing post-Christ. Jesus is the final hope of the world, and there is nothing that comes after him. We may be living in a post-religious generation, but there is no such thing as post-Christian because Christianity is the world's final hope. And if the darkness is increasing around us, it's not because the darkness is beating or defeating the light. It's because we're not shining the light like we should. Because the Bible promises the light shines in the midst of the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. As another translation puts it, and I love this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. And that's why in the midst of crazy times, we decided as a church to take a bold and courageous step of faith, bigger than probably any step of faith we've ever taken before because we knew we were here for a purpose. We were here to shine Jesus' light. 
You know, when it comes to life, life is kind of like the game Slug Bug. Everybody any, ever played that on a road trip, you know? Yeah, I think most of us probably have. My family, we don't play Slug Bug where you look for Volkswagen Beetles. We play Blue Car because we're always looking for blue cars on the road. And you might think, you know, when you go on a trip, you're not going to see a whole lot of blue cars. That's not that common of a color. But you end up seeing a lot of them. You know why? Because you find what you're looking for. And when you're looking for blue cars, you find blue cars. When you're looking for Volkswagen Beetles, you find them on the road. And the same is true in life. You find what you're looking for. And if you go through life always looking at the darkness, always looking at the negative, always looking at what sin is doing in this world, then that's all you're ever going to see. But when you have your focus on Jesus, when you're looking at Him as you walk through life, then you will see Him working all around you. You will see His light penetrating the darkness. And you will see opportunity after opportunity for you to shine his light in the world. And that's why two years ago, actually over two years ago, we started talking about this unstoppable initiative. And if you're new to our church, maybe this is your first time, you're like, what in the world is unstoppable? Let me give you a quick summary, okay? This is where we've been over the past few years. Two years ago, we presented our church, challenged our church with two key goals. And the first goal, our primary goal, was 100% engagement. We wanted our church to be engaged in the mission of Jesus like never before. Because we know in this day and age, there are a lot of churches that are just playing church. There are a lot of churches that are just going through the motions. There are a lot of churches that are just social clubs. And that's not who we wanted to be. See, I'm not up here preaching fairy tales. We believe that Jesus truly is the hope of the world. And Jesus either is exactly who he claims to be, or he's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's a con artist. See, Jesus either is the Son of God or he's not. There is no in-between. Jesus either is the Savior of the world or he's not. There is no in-between. Jesus either walked out of the grave or he didn't. There is no in-between. Jesus either is who he claims to be or he is a phony. He's a con artist. He's a liar or he was just crazy. And I believe he's exactly who he claimed to be. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And if we believe that as a church, if we truly believe that as a church, how can our lives not revolve around him? How can he not be leading us? How can we not be 100% engaged in his mission to save and change the world? And so we challenged our church a couple years ago to be fully engaged, to be engaged like never before in Jesus' mission. And this is what has happened. Over the past two years, when it comes to our groups ministry, our groups involvement with people who want to dive deeper into God's word and community outside of just what happens in the Sunday morning service. Our group involvement has increased by 66% over the past couple years. When it comes to volunteering, whether it's volunteer engagement inside the walls of the church or outside the walls of the church, our volunteer engagement has increased 109% over the past two years. Yeah, you can, you can applaud for that, but we're not done yet. When it comes to giving, when it comes to giving households, over the past couple years, our giving households have increased by 49%. During the midst of an uncertain economy and crazy political times, our giving households have increased by 49%. But not only that, our worship attendance, our worship attendance over the past couple years has increased by 46%. Right now, we are having almost 1,500 people a Sunday show up in person for worship. That 
that's not including our online ministry, which has about another thousand people joining us every week, or our TV broadcast that literally has tens of thousands of people throughout the 918 worshiping with us Sunday after Sunday. We have seen God grow our church in phenomenal ways. And our church right now, physically speaking, when it comes to our on-site, in-person attendance, is the biggest it has ever been in our history. But the number that excites me the most is this one right here, baptisms. Over the past 10 years, we have averaged 48 baptisms a year. That's how many we've averaged, which is good. You know, that's 48 more people every year that are coming to know Jesus. That's awesome. Our highest being a few years ago when we hit 70 baptisms in one single year. 48 average over the past 10 years. Do you know how many baptisms we've had so far this year? And we still have a month to go. 120 baptisms in 2023. Without a doubt, Jesus' light is shining in the midst of the darkness. And because our church is so engaged in his mission and his work, this allowed us to present our secondary goal of what we called mission advancement where we tangibly did something in order to invest in the next generation. And so as we looked at our church, we saw that our next-gen ministries were just exploding from the babies all the way up to the students. Our next-gen ministries are exploding. And as we looked at our first kids' ministry, which is kindergarten through fifth grade, We knew that they were running out of space. If you've been to our first kids ministry, you know that it meets upstairs and it's meeting in a spot that was never meant to be for our first kids ministry. We've just made do with the space that we have. And so we decided in the midst of crazy times to challenge our church to double our annual budget over the next two years so that we could build a brand new first kids facility and we could build that building with hopefully without having to take out any loans. And so just to give you an idea of what this was going to look like, in 2021, our annual budget was 2.5 million for the year. Okay, 2.5 million. If you double that over the next two years, so in 2022 and 2023, if we didn't change anything, which by the way, this was a time period when a lot of churches were actually like cutting their budgets because it's crazy times. But if we didn't change anything, if we just kept 2.5 million over the next two years, then it would have been 5 million in 2022 and 2023. But what we asked you guys to do was to double your commitment. And this is what our church committed in November of 2021 to $10.66 million over a two-year period to be brought in over 2022 and 2023. And this would allow for us to maintain and also increase our daily ministry here, but also build our new First Kids building, hopefully debt-free. And I am here to let you guys know that during this two-year period, we've got money one month left of the commitment period. During this two-year period, we have stayed on track. We have never fallen behind in our commitments. And how incredible is that? That's only happened because God is in this and he's working in and through us. But you also know, and we told you this at this time, we asked you guys to double your giving, but The estimates were coming in at the time that if we wanted to maintain our current ministry and also build this new facility, it would actually take about 11.3 million. And I'm here to let you guys know that if things keep going the way they've been going, if our giving pattern continues through the month of December like it has recently, we will hit that 11.3 million. And that is only because 
Yeah. God is at work. Now, there's one other little issue. It's this thing called inflation. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but things have gotten a little bit more expensive over the past couple of years. And we were actually meeting with some of our people the other day, and we have found out that probably by the time that this project is finished, we have about a year left on the project, uh, it's probably going to cost us to keep our current ministry budget and with the building, it's gonna cost us instead of 11.3, it's gonna be between 12 and 12.5 million. And when our leaders heard that, we're just being transparent with our church family on this, you know, we kind of thought, oh man, because we're on track to maybe hit 11.3 million and now it's gonna be even more. And then our leaders went back to certain passages in the scripture like this one right here from the life of Elisha. You know, we just studied Elisha in the last series. And Elisha was talking to some kings who were facing some military obstacles that they thought were impossible. And Elisha says to them, this is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. You may not be able to get the victory, but God can give you the victory. You may not be able to have everything that you need in order to keep going, but God can provide it for you. You think you're in an impossible situation. This is an easy thing in the eyes of God. And so what our leadership said was, we're gonna wait to take out any loans or anything like that because we probably won't need it till the end of the project. And we believe that God is working in this place in such a way that we're going to be able to still pay for that building without any debt. And we believe that God is actively working so that that could even happen sooner rather than later. Because what we see as an obstacle, as an impossible obstacle, God sees as an opportunity to put his unstoppable power on display. And we don't believe that God has brought us this far to leave us here. We don't believe God has been in this all this time in order to abandon us now. We don't believe that God has brought us to this point in our history for us to fail now. We have been praying to him, seeking his guidance all along, and he has proven over and over and over again that he is with us, that he is leading us, that he's got this. And so we are fully trusting in him, and we have total confidence that what seems like a big task for us is easy for God to accomplish. And so we're asking you guys to continue to pray, but to also remain faithful to the mission that God has given us because we believe God has not brought us this far to leave us here. We believe that his light still penetrates the darkness. And the world at its worst needs the church at its best. Now, let me ask, how many of you guys have already put up your main Christmas tree in your house? Anybody done that? Or let me see a show of hands. Yeah, a whole lot of you, most of you actually. Yeah, my wife put our Christmas tree the day after Halloween, so I get it for sure. Uh, but I asked some of our ladies to decorate a tree for me today, and they did a phenomenal job. They did an awesome job. Amber Cirillo and her team, they're the ladies that decorate a lot of our church. Yeah, they did a great job. I didn't ask them to make it blue. They just did that. They know me, I guess. But I know there are different traditions when it comes to Christmas trees. And so I want to do a quick poll here. You guys shout out. I want to see what you guys do in your own household. So when it comes to your main primary Christmas tree, I know some of you probably have like, you know, 20 of them, but when it comes to your main tree, what do you prefer? Do you guys have a real Christmas tree or an artificial Christmas tree? Let me hear you. How many of you guys put up a real Christmas tree? Oh, not as many as I thought. We had a lot more in the other service. Okay, this must be an artificial tree service. Let's see. How many of you guys put up an artificial Christmas tree? 
Wow, overwhelming. Okay, interesting. Okay, how about this next one right here? How many of you guys like to put up one set of lights, like one color lights, or how many of you like to put up multi-color lights? I know people have their preference. So do we have any one-color light people? Let me hear you. Okay, cool. How about multi-color lights? Let me hear you. Okay, about 50-50, about even. That's interesting. How about this next one right here? Now, when it comes to decorating the tree, some people like, you know, like uniform matching ornaments that are more decorative than anything. Other people, it's just a hodgepodge of like memories or places they visited or stuff that the kids made. So when it comes to your main tree, your primary tree, do you have more of uniform ornaments or do you have kind of a hodgepodge of memories? And so let me hear you. How many of you guys have a uniform decorated tree? Okay, good number of you. What about you have a hodgepodge of memories and sentimental stuff? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's actually a picture of our Christmas tree. So that's what we have as well. And one more here. Some people put presents under their tree uh, leading up to Christmas. Some people wait till the end or they don't do it at all because it's more decorative. When it comes to your main tree, are you a gift person underneath the tree or no gifts? So how many of you guys put gifts underneath your tree? Okay. How many of you leave your tree bare underneath with no gifts? Let me hear you. Several, like five people, but still, there are some of you that actually do it, so that's awesome. Well, I found this meme on social media just the other day, and it said, wrapping some empty boxes as fake gifts so I can throw them in the fire when my kids misbehave. Better not pout. I love that. That's genius, you know? But you know, as pretty as a Christmas tree may be, like this one right here I have with me, it's really not... A Christmas tree isn't fulfilled until it's lit up, is it? So what I wanna do is I wanna light this tree and can I have like a Chevy Chase Christmas vacation drum roll, please? Can we do that as I plug in this tree? Here we go, you ready? Let me hear you. And, ah. Uh. Now I bet some of you have probably had this happen before, right? You go to plug in your tree and only part of it lights up, you know? Maybe because there's a bulb out, maybe because it's not connected right or something went wrong. I don't know the reason, but it's probably happened to all of us. And let me ask, how many of you, if this happened to you, would say, no, oh, that's good enough. We'll just keep it like this all of Christmas. You know, it's fine. It's good enough. You know, third of the tree is lit. We're good. We're good. Probably none of us would do that, would we? No, we want the rest of the tree to also be shining with light. You know, this right here represents those who have come before us. For the past 2,000 years, the church across the globe has been shining Jesus' light. And we're here today because of those who came before us. For the past 116 years here in Owasso, First Church has been shining its light. And we're here today because of those who shine Christ's light before us. But we don't want it to stop here. Because until Jesus comes back, he expects for his people to be continuing to shine his light. And now it's our turn to make a decision to continue to shine Jesus' light in our generation so that people can continue to see the hope and the joy and the peace and the salvation that is found in him. But we don't just want to shine our light in our generation so that we can experience it. We also want to shine our light in our generation so that others can experience and so that the next generation, the generations that come after us will also experience the light of Christ. Because until Jesus comes back, he expects his people to always be shining his light. 
And he hasn't brought us this far in the history of his church or in the history of First Church for us to stop shining his light now. Now, I get it. I know we're living in dark times. But again, if the darkness is growing, it's not because the darkness is defeating the light. It's because we're not shining Jesus like, like we should. Because the Bible promises the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. See, we don't see darkness as a crisis. We see darkness as a calling, as an opportunity for us to do what Jesus has placed us here to do. And here at First Church, we believe that God does his greatest work in the darkness because it's there his light shines the brightest. And there's example of that after example of that in the Bible. And one example that came to me just a couple weeks ago is found in Exodus chapter 12. It's when God was leading his people, the Israelites, out of their slavery in Egypt. The Israelites had been enslaved for 430 years. That's a long time, isn't it? And God sent plagues and he worked in Egypt so that his people could be set free. And when they were finally set free, when Pharaoh finally told them that they could leave their captivity, this is what the passage says in Exodus chapter 12. It says, that night, that night, the Lord kept watch to bring them out of Egypt. And so on this same night, the Israelites are to keep watch to honor the Lord from now on. It's interesting to me that when God decided to bring his people out of Egypt, he could have done it at any time. And he chose to bring his people out of slavery at night, not during the day. And this would have been unheard of in this day and age because night was the most dangerous time to travel because you could be ambushed without even knowing it. They didn't have street lights back then, you know? And the Israelites were going to be traveling through the desert. And what if Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, changes his mind? By the way, he later did and came after him, didn't he? What if he changed his mind right after he set them free? Pharaoh and his army could sneak up on the Israelites in the middle of the night and then not even know it. No one traveled at night. And yet God led his people out through the night. Why? Because God isn't afraid of the darkness. He's bigger than that. And I love what this passage says. It says that God watched over his people as they left Egypt at night. One translation puts it this way. The Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, watched over them in the midst of the darkness. The message paraphrase says it like this. It says, God kept watch all night, watching over the Israelites as he brought them out of Egypt. It's not that God removed the darkness, but it's that he led his people through the darkness and that's what God continues to do. Until Jesus comes back, there will always be darkness around us. But we are not alone in the midst of the darkness. God watches over us and he leads us, his people, through the darkness. And we see this as God's pattern for working over and over again in the Bible. I mean, it's Christmas time, isn't it? Do you remember when the birth of Jesus was first announced? Look at Luke chapter 2. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
The very first announcement of Jesus' birth, of Jesus coming into our world was made at night, not during the day, but at night. Think about that. The light of the world entered our world at night in the midst of the darkness because God isn't afraid of the darkness. He came to shine light in the midst of it. What about when the disciples were sent out by Jesus one time on the water? They're in a boat, but Jesus stayed behind. And there were some rough waters. A storm came upon them. The disciples were scared and nervous. And do you remember what happened in the Gospel of Matthew? It says, by then the boat was, a quite, was quite a distance from shore, being pounded by the waves because the wind was against it. In the fourth watch of the night... Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. Jesus didn't wait to rescue them in daylight. He came out to them in the middle of the night so that he could let them know he was greater than their fears, greater than what they were facing. What about when God said in the creation account, let there be light. Remember, God said that when there was just darkness, God spoke the light into the darkness. God started working in the darkness before he ever started working in the light. And probably the best example of that happened on that first resurrection morning, on Easter morning. Do you remember what John says when Mary came to the tomb? It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. The resurrection of Jesus didn't happen at sunrise. It started in the dark. Easter didn't start at sunrise. It started in the dark. And new life is available in the midst of the darkness because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. And that's why we're here. Because I don't know what you're experiencing right now. I don't know if you're stumbling through the darkness right now. I don't know if you can't see two feet in front of you right now. But I know one thing. You can trust God to lead you through the darkness. And that's what our world needs to hear right now. Because right now, there are marriages that are falling apart. Divorce papers have already been filed. And families are losing hope. Right now, there are addicts who are overcome by their addictions and they don't see any way out. Right now, there are families that are up against immense financial pressures and they don't know how they're gonna pay their bills. Right now, there's a man struggling with a porn addiction and he doesn't know how to tell his wife. Right now, there's a student being pressured to cross sexual boundaries that they know they shouldn't cross, but everybody else is doing it. Right now, there are kids going hungry. There are kids who feel unloved and unwanted. Right now, there are adults who feel lonely and depressed, who don't have the energy to get out of bed in the morning. Right now, there are people who are on the verge of giving up. Right now, there are rich people who have everything this world has to offer them, but they feel empty on the inside. Right now, there is someone who has just recently received a health diagnosis that they weren't expecting, and they are afraid. Right now, our world is full of broken, hurting, lost, empty people, but we have good news for them. We have hope for them. We have truth for them. We have an answer for them. The light of the world has come for them. And that's why we're here to shine his light in the midst of hopelessness so that people know that this life is not all there is. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot put it out. The darkness cannot stop it. 
And so, as we look around our world today and we see darkness everywhere, now is not the time for us to give up. Now is not the time for us to quit. That's what the enemy wants. The darkness may be all around us, but when you know the light of the world, the darkness is never the end of your story. It's not over. God isn't finished. God isn't scared of your darkness or my darkness or this culture's darkness. God is greater than the darkness. His light is truly unstoppable. So as his church, into the darkness we go. And that's why, as a church, we're not stopping. Yeah, our unstoppable commitment period may be coming to a close, but the mission of Jesus doesn't stop. Until Jesus comes back, we continue to shine his light. And when the world is at its worst, it needs the church shining its light like never before. And so, we wanna challenge you as a church to keep being engaged, to keep investing in the mission of Jesus. And let's make sure we're never a place that just plays church, but that we are living out what we claim to believe every single day. And so we're gonna wrap up this service in a special way. We're gonna have a worship song. And as we do, we've got a gift for you. We've got an unstoppable ornament for every family. And as we play this worship song, we're gonna ask you to go to the communion table at your own convenience. We're not gonna dismiss anybody, just if you want to, whenever you want to. Go to the communion table that you were just at. And you can pick up one of these ornaments, but before you do, there's a clear ornament there. There's some Sharpie markers, and we want you to write your family's name on it if you're committed to the unstoppable mission of Jesus. And you might be saying, well, this is my first Sunday here. I don't know anything about this unstoppable initiative besides what you just said. We're not asking, are you committed to the unstoppable initiative? We're asking, are you committed to the unstoppable mission of Jesus? So even if it's your first Sunday, you can come forward. And we ask that you come forward, get one of these plastic garments, write your family's name on it. Allison has already written the broadest family on ours. And we're gonna place these clear ornaments on these trees that are at every communion station. And throughout the rest of our Christmas series, We're gonna put these trees on stage so that you can see all the family names up here that are part of this mission with us together. So we ask as the song is played that you come and do that, but then after you put your family's ornament on the tree, take one of these unstoppable ornament gifts with you, put it on your tree at your house so that it can be a constant reminder that you are part of something bigger than yourself. You're part of God's unstoppable work in this world. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. Let us continue to shine our light because the darkness cannot put out the light of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today and I thank you for this chance we've had to rally as a church. And I just pray that we will continue to be focused on you because when we are focused on you, we will see the opportunities that you are giving us all around us. And we will know that darkness is not greater than the light. And we will continue to see your light penetrate all that is around us. So Father, I pray for these families that are gonna come forward today. May we all be a part together of your unstoppable mission. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.